how did you develop this style of filmmaking that is so personal to you and something that feels so intimate? Huge advantage I have is that I went to school for psychology. I love people and I love seeking to understand people. And I think that has helped me in the process of getting to know my clients and to tell their stories through film. I'm gonna get right in my bed. Uh, why you gonna try to get mad? Uh, everybody wanna keep up. Uh, but you know I move too fast. Uh, I'm gonna zip, zip right past. Uh, drip, drip all on my swag. Uh, Hey everybody, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared, welcome to another episode. We have a really great one for you today. Really excited to dive into it. As usual, Mr. Jay McCutcheon is with me. Hi Jay. How you doing? Good, how was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good actually. I, I did a lot of like uh, grass things. Uh, that was not a, what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> I do a lot of grass things. Okay. I'm obsessed with my lawn being green. Yeah. I cheated last year and I put down those like rolls of uh, of turf and now it's all dead. Yeah, because so I need to do it again. Garbage grass. I invested last year and now my grass is growing like crazy. Okay. So everything's working out really well for me. If you're really interested, you should check out our other podcast <laughs> called Grass Growing with Jason. Grass <laughs> Talk. Yeah. Um, Grassroots. Right. Yeah. Um. I'm. You know. But anyway, it was cool. Um. We got some cool stuff in the mail. Which is fun. Yeah, got some cool stuff, including this Aperture 60S X. Sorry, screwed that up. 60X Lightstorm. Now, Aperture will never sponsor us. Uh, I mean, they kind of are. They kind of are. Do you (laughs) want to tell them a little bit about it? Yeah, hey, so we actually, this thing is, I think, the hot property right now in the lighting world. And it's super bright. I mean, the build quality feels great, right? It does. And actually, this is like, I just pulled this out and put it in my hands five minutes ago. and it definitely feels heavier. It's definitely uh, heavier than some other lights that we've used in the past. But it's um, dope, and we're going to be doing a giveaway, and we're doing one now probably, actually, if you're listening to this, of Aperture 60X. We're doing, in this same giveaway, we're giving away a Jean Weevil S. That just came in the mail. Yep. We're giving away a kit from Small Rig and a Road Go 2. And, of course, our good friends at Yolo Box are giving us a Yolo Box. So you can win a bunch of stuff, like thousands of dollars worth of gear. And this is one of them. So we're super excited about this. We're going to be doing some reviews. It's going to be awesome. So really cool. Very a lot cool. of fun stuff yeah. going on around here. So we got really awesome guest today, Jessica Mertz. I remember I saw her work. Uh, I don't remember how I stumbled upon it. But I stumbled upon it. And, you know, I'm always looking for, like, just a kind of a different perspective on something. And I remember connecting, she had this post and it was, um, she's talking about, basically she said, Hey, I want you to experience this. I want you to feel this. And it was this prompt. And she was talking about these people. And before I read the caption, I saw the image and I remember thinking like, Oh, this is a, I gotta get this, this girl on here because I feel like this idea of posing, prompting, working with people is so cool. And so like, and it's something a lot of people need to learn on. So if you're listening today, we're going to be talking about that today, connecting with couples during sessions, making people feel comfortable, a bunch of other stuff too. But anyway, without further ado, I want to introduce Jessica. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks for asking. So um, tell everybody about your company and like, what's the name and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm Jessica. I started Honey Fox Films a couple of years ago, uh, and I shoot intimate weddings and elopements. Yeah. It's incredible. So, um, so we're going to be doing something, Jessica, with you. We're going to be 
we, we do it with all our filmmakers. We do three questions. It's going to be intense. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm feeling the heat already, but I think I'm ready. <laughs> all right. So let's do three questions with Jessica Mertz from Honey Fox Films. All right, Jessica, question number one is what is currently in your kit? All right, my kit. I keep my kit super simple and lightweight because I travel a lot. So I shoot on Sony a7 III. Uh, as far as lenses go, I use a 50 for close-up detail shots. But most of the time, I have my 28 or 16 on. Um, I am a big fan of those wide-angle shots, especially when I'm going to gorgeous national parks or seaside locations. And then as far as audio goes, I use Tascam lav mics. Again, super small and simple, just to hook them up to my couples. And I use a Mavic Air for my drone. And, and what's a film that you've done recently that you're really proud of? I'm just proud of my couples from, from this last year <laughs> um, and the way they have handled uh, a different wedding climate with so much grace. But I think because of that, one of my favorite films was in Joshua Tree. Um, and also there was one in Big Sur. Um, and the reason why I like these wedding films so much is because the couples, well, the couple in Big Sur, it was just the couple. They had originally planned this destination wedding in Mexico and they were really looking forward to celebrating with their friends and family, but instead decided to just elope. And uh, the bride wanted to make the day really meaningful and memorable for her family members, even though they couldn't be there. Um, and she had this really beautiful idea and surprise for her husband. Um, her husband's father would write them poems on special occasions in their life. And so she reached out to her future father-in-law and asked him to write a poem for the wedding day. Um, and during their little first look moment, they um, listened to an audio recording of him reading that poem. And it was just a really sweet, sentimental moment where they were able to feel that connection with their family that was all the way on the other side of the country. Um, and it really set the tone and the mood for the wedding day. That's awesome. So uh, number three is tell us a little bit about the workshop that you have planned coming up. Oh, of course. I am really excited about this. I work with a photographer who I have shot a few elopements with, and we have planned a hybrid workshop retreat. Um, and we're looking forward to it because we've never really seen somebody do something like this. So for the beginning of the experience, we'll be doing a workshop and this is specifically for photographers and filmmakers who are maybe in the beginning stages of their journey as a photographer filmmaker. It will also be really helpful for photographers who are hoping to become filmmakers. Um, so we will have classes and some editorial shoots and we're looking forward to making it a really personalized one-on-one -on -one experience. Um, it's really important to me that the experience is tailored for the individuals who are coming. So even though we already have our classes prepared, we are going to be doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentoring with the attendees who come to make sure that they can get the most out of it. And then the second half of the week, we'll be doing a retreat. And this is for anyone who came to the workshop who wants to stay and work on editing that content. Um, but also any other creative individuals who would like to come and maybe get a little more content, bounce ideas, collaborate with some other creative individuals. Sounds, sounds super great. fun. If people want to um, find out more, do they go to a very specific uh, website where can people find out more? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So if you go to my website, honeyfoxfilms.com, there is a tab for education, or you can go directly to honeyfoxfilms.com slash workshop and all the details for the workshop and retreat are there. If you're like me, you know that music can literally make or break a wedding film. And finding that perfect song can be a frustrating and time consuming process. You need a song that drives your story forward, leaves space for your audio and images to breathe, builds up over time, and is just playing good. No Fear Musicbed has your back. I've literally been using Musicbed since they started in like 2011 or something, and they have been my go-to music licensing site ever since. I've used the other sites that you see floating around, but time and time again, I find myself coming back to Musicbed for the incredible quality of music across the board, their sheer volume of their library, and their killer customer support. And to make it even better, they offer an incredibly cost-effective monthly membership with unlimited song licenses for your wedding films. If you aren't already using Musicbed, you are seriously doing yourself a disservice, but you don't have to take my word for how awesome this company is, you can grab a free month-long membership by following the link in our description. So head on over, sign up for a free month, explore their library, and use them for your next wedding film. You'll be glad you did. So Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. Like we said before, you know, it's really important to me to feature people who do really interesting stuff. I think do things that are a little bit different um, and kind of excel in a few areas that maybe other people aren't used to and like i think we have a lot of people which it's great crazy crazy editing all this all this stuff to me that's great it does stand out sometimes but what stood out to me about your films is just how intimate they felt and that feels like a function of just the weddings you're doing but also your personality um there's a sense of intimacy you're kind of drawing out this relationship in front of them talk a little bit about kind of that process for you. How did you develop this style of filmmaking that maybe is so personal to you and something that feels so intimate? Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words. It means a lot to me that that uh, is translated through my films, that you can feel those um, emotions and that intimacy. I think, I think a disadvantage I have is that I was self-taught. I didn't go to film school. But a huge advantage I have is that I went to school for psychology. So I love people and I love seeking to understand people. And I think that has helped me in the process of getting to know my clients and to tell their stories through film. That's totally interesting. I think that's completely interesting. Like, because <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I think it's probably your biggest advantage though, because a lot of filmmakers out there, and, and I think it's prevalent in our industry, are only nerds like only techie like don't think of it like I, we have conversations all the time with our team it's just like don't just be a camera operator be a storyteller be someone who's thinking about the shots you're getting so it's like that doesn't mean just getting the most technical or like perfect composition it's like the fact that while you're getting perfect composition of one thing you're totally missing the fact that their dog is walking down the aisle and that might be important to them or whatever like whatever is happening um just actually paying attention and understanding how it's going to be conveyed from a story element. I think that's so prevalent. How do so you feel? How do you feel like when you're working with a couple, connecting with them? It, is that starting in the sales process for you, or is it like how like how quickly are you drawing on those psychology skills? Yeah, I'm so glad you bring that up because creating that intimacy with your couples 
begins long, long before the shoot or the wedding day. And if you're trying to approach and hoping to achieve this intimate relationship and experience while you're already shooting, then you're way too late. So fostering that intimacy or sense of closeness in any relationship um, comes from a place of respect and trust. And if you're trying to build that within five minutes before you start shooting them, it's just not gonna work. Yeah. Can you can you tell me a little bit about, um, you mentioned in, in the three questions, like dad writing a poem to the, the couple, like how did that get started? Like how, how did that very specific, cause that's not gonna happen at every wedding. Was that you kind of asking questions and they were like, well, my dad writes poetry. Or like, can you unfold how that actually came about and, and talk a little bit about that? Cause that's really interesting to me. Yeah, of course. So this whole process, like I said, begins all the way before your couples even reach out to you in your business and marketing. Um, it's in your website copy. It's the way you present yourself on social media. It's the way you book your couples. And something really important for me is that that first point of contact with my couple, they know that this experience is going to be personal. Um, and I always let them know that I expect that we're going to be doing at least one video call, if not many video calls to get to know each other so I can listen to them. Um, and in my initial video call with them, I do about like 10% telling them, educating them about my booking process and the other 90% is listening to them and their love story and what their plans are for their wedding and kind of how they envision their wedding day to turn out and what they want their wedding film to look like and to feel like. And a lot of times they don't know exactly what it is. Um, but if there's anything psychology taught me, it's the power in asking questions and letting them kind of sit with that discomfort and silence um, to find those answers within themselves. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I have a, a ministry background, like in churches. So we're always dealing, and teaching. I I've taught high school for, geez. Since, since I was in high 15 school. 15 years, he was my student actually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and worked with students for another 10 to 15 years. So I totally can connect, not in a direct sense because I wasn't a psychology major, but it's all people. You're dealing with people. You're trying to help people to understand themselves, trying yeah. to help people to understand what they think and what's in their own mind. And, you know, I, I think it's important to have a vision. And I, and I do think it's important for you, the creative, to know what you want to make and where you excel and it's okay even on some level, I think, to impose your vision upon what you're making. But at some point, I think it is important, and you bring up a great point, which is at some point it always becomes about listening and giving that person an opportunity and a space. And so that is a really great that you bring that up because like, you bring up the space that happens when you ask a question and they think, right? You giving them that space. And I think the other thing I notice is it feels like there's a – space in in your portrait sessions and i love that you i forget how you worded it you said you asked them a question about what it feels like to be in each other's arms or something like that and like that sense of safety and then you communicated that with the hands and the close-ups and um kind of how can people learn to give people sp space to be themselves and draw that out of them during like a portrait session that's a great question like I said, I think it begins long before the shoot, the portrait session. Uh, you have to have that connection, develop that trust and respect. 
But something important is knowing that when you're actually showing up the day of the shoot, um, the couple you're working with hopefully already has chemistry and intimacy, but you have no idea what situation they're coming from. They may have had a really bad day at work. They may have had a conflict with a family member. They may just not be feeling it. They may be intimidated by all of your gear. Um, and so give your, your couple space to co-regulate. And co-regulation is something you do in therapy if you're going to couples therapy or family therapy. And a really easy way to do this with your couples is to have them just face each other, hold each other however feels natural, look each other in the eyes and try to match each other's breathing. I always prompt my couples to do this at the beginning of the session, um, to just look at each other, to try to match each other's breathing. And it's a really great opportunity for me to gauge kind of where they are at emotionally. If they're getting all squirmish and uncomfortable, then I know, okay, something's off and we need to like help them calm down. Um, it gives them time to kind of connect. And then it also gives you kind of a moment to like adjust your gear, like back off and see how um, close or far away they feel comfortable with you being. Because sometimes couples, like if you're like 20 feet back, they're totally okay doing this co-regulation, but you start getting closer as they get more and more intimate and they start getting squirmish. Um, so that's a really great way to, to help your couple feel comfortable, but also help you kind of gauge, you know, what is the level of experience and comfort here with you and the couple? Well, that's such a good point, Jared. You know, and something you always talk about is like, you were talking about earlier, like the idea of listening, observing. Yeah, like, yeah. I, that, I think that's just, like I can tell in looking at your work when Jay was like, yeah, we're gonna have Jessica on. I was like, she's a great listener. Like, and, and I, you just said it, like you're listening by just um, physical cues, right? Like how is someone feeling comfortable? And I think a lot of times, like it's hard for us filmmakers to, to listen because we're so caught up in light gear, like the whole production side that it's like hard to just really pay attention. And I, I think that's really, when you get comfortable with just knowing your stuff, that you can get over that and kind of forget about it and just have it be a part of your body, a part of your just natural like function. Um, I think you can really hone in on that and, yeah. and be like, hey, what is actually going on? What, this is the most important part. Like it's not necessarily all this like tech. It's what am I actually getting on camera and, and just making my new kind of changes to affect that. I think that's huge. And, and you can just tell you're such a good listener and you're a great uh, asker of questions, like the questions you ask on your Instagram, the question, I know you're sending those questions to your couple like way beforehand. Right. And so, so I was going to ask a psychology question. Yeah. So, so help us all grow. <laughs> One of the, this is my theory on wedding filmmakers. Most wedding filmmakers are more tech, um, and so they're very focused on the gear. They're more technicians than anything. Most wedding photographers, like I've worked with wedding photographers who make tons of money who barely understand their equipment because in their career, and it's okay, their work is great, by the way, but for them, it's always about connecting with people. And I think you have two different starting points. Filmmakers start with gear. Photographers usually start with posing babies or working with high school kids like from the very first thing you do is working directly with a person psychologically filmmakers oftentimes wedding filmmakers event people they're more cover and event and they don't think and you're coming from the approach of a photographer 
almost. Like I'm working with a person and a psychologist. So you have a bit of an advantage. Most wedding filmmakers, though, are very uncomfortable with the idea of like giving space, getting couples to get connected in that moment. They're uncomfortable with everything about it. They just want to stand back there and just shoot and hopefully no one notices them. Help us overcome our insecurities a little bit in working with couples and helping to create those moments for people. I don't know the best answer to this question. I think everyone's going to be uncomfortable. Even myself sometimes uh, feel that discomfort in working with people. And I, I think the solution is just doing it, just practicing it and knowing that you're probably not going to be perfect at it and no one's really perfect at it. Um, just hearing you talk about kind of your theory between photographers and videographers um, reminded me of, I had some missionary work experience and we did some cold contacting where we straight up walk to people on the streets and just start talking with them and trying to connect with them, try to find out like what made them happy um, and listening to their responses. And there's a lot of uncomfortable silences and people who are offended or like turned away. Um, and that sometimes happens when you're doing filmmaking as well, I think, as you put yourself out there to try to um, create this experience, this connection, and it's not always reciprocated. Um, but it's a, a practice. Perfect practice makes perfect. So continually striving for that connection and uh, observing other people who are good at it um, will help you hopefully overcome whatever hurdles you have with connecting with other people. Well, you mentioned something that I think is important, which is you have a, it seems you have a kind of a notebook or like a mental notebook, at least of this is what I do to make me comfortable and make my couple comfortable. And I, and I would tell that to people is like, figure out what works for you and don't be ashamed to just do it every time. Like there are things that just help you to settle down and you know work. Like for you, getting those couples to connect in that moment when you talk about co-regulating and connecting the way that you want them to connect, that works. So I will say you're going to have to try some stuff, but try to figure out what works for you when you're connected with couples, posing, prompts, like some things feel weird coming out of my mouth and I'm like, I'm not comfortable saying that. But when I hear other people say it, I'm like, ah, oh, it's not so cool when they say it. <laughs> but it's just like, I think trying to figure out like how do I connect with couples is part of the journey, right? I, I think, Jessica, you mentioned it a lot and, and probably one of the biggest takeaways so far is just like reaching out to people way beforehand. I, I think that helps me. Like it, I think it will help them, of course. It's going to be huge for them because – it's going to get them accustomed to the way that you are going to interact with them. But it's also going to help me be like, hey, I feel like I know this couple. I feel like I have my fingers on the pulse of like who they are. And it kind of like makes me feel confident that I'm not just going to hop in and have them just like reject my kind of style of filmmaking right off the bat and just be like, this guy's asking like really deep questions. Sometimes I, could, I feel like I find that because you know, if I don't have a, a natural connection with, with couples kind of showing up to the wedding, if it's just like, hey, the planner planned this one wedding. And I've talked to the couple for like 15 minutes. I'm not, I haven't had that kind of creation of, of like a rapport with the couple. And if I'm hopping in being like asking these like deep emotional questions, it's like, I can find sometimes that's kind of like challenging um, to just cold turkey hop in and just be like, you know, 
what, what, how do you guys make each other feel like if, when you're in each other's arms? Like, what's the word that you would describe? And like, you know, capturing that, they might be like, whoa, that's like, we were just partying like five seconds ago. I was having drinks with my buddies. We were doing shots at the bar. And now <laughs> this random videographer is asking me such a deep question. Do it's you like, find that you attract people that naturally want to have those moments? Yeah. Or do you ever get these people that are like, what are you doing? You're like, I don't want to do that. I don't know if I've had anyone resist that. And I think maybe yeah. that's just from the get-go, I make it really clear. And can I just yeah. say a game changer for me? I only started doing this about a year ago was doing video consultations with my couples yeah. and then offering multiple ones throughout the process. So most couples book me for their wedding a year, maybe two years in advance. That's a really long time to go between that first point of contact and their actual wedding day. And you can't really develop such a close relationship if you're not actually contacting each other in between all the time. Um, and so I don't think I have any couples who are resistant to that because they know from the beginning, hey, we're going to be buddies. We're going to be yep. talking every now and then. Like whenever you have wedding woes, whenever you're stressed about the way your venue is handling things or whenever you're stressed about like your mother-in-law trying to control everything in the wedding, you can get on a call with me and we can talk about it and brainstorm some ideas that make sense for you. Yeah. And so I don't think there's ever been really a situation where they aren't comfortable with that intimacy with me just because we're we're doing it all all along totally. well it's like what do they say uh show what you want to grow you know Absolutely. so so you're if you put out there the stuff and by the way i'm not saying this type of filmmaking is what everyone should be doing but i do think there's an incredible place in the market for it and i think no matter what like if you are not super personal with your couples that's a lot of people there's a lot of reasons for that especially in the high luxury market i think mm -hmm. you can pull some of these tricks no matter what mm -hmm. personally yeah i think you can think through like how do you create a space that's vulnerable as vulnerable as it can be in a portrait session without being someone's best friend i really do i think it's something everyone should work on even if you don't get the opportunities to build this great relationship Talk about, um, let's talk about, you, you said elopements, destination, like, is, do you do a lot of these, like, um, very small, private, intimate weddings? Is that something that came out of COVID, or is that something that you, was always in your playbook? Yeah, that was something that was in my playbook before COVID, luckily, which worked out in my favor. I feel very fortunate to have already been in that market. I came from a community that was heavily saturated with a, a religious ceremony. And a lot of those couples and I just weren't connecting. It wasn't the best fit. And so I branched out and um, shared my love for the outdoors and hiking and nature um, and was able to kind of market towards couples who have more intimate ceremonies. Um, so yeah. Can I, can I ask was you? That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can I ask you like, when you, this is kind of going back to the, the portrait um, kind of side of things is I, I think a lot of filmmakers really struggle with um, the, the photographer, right? It's like, hey, I want to hop in and get these very specific shots, like, but I'm also contending with the photographers getting these shots at the same time. Can you talk a little bit about like how you balance that? I, I know like you're such a personable person and, and you're so like emotionally intelligent. Um, that I'm sure you never have problems where it's just like the photographer is going to be like, do whatever you want. I love you. Like you're the best. Um, but a lot of filmmakers are not that way. How, how would you say the best balance, um, you know, how, how to juggle that balancing act in general? 
the infamous photographer filmmaker yeah. <laughs> the feud <laughs> it's tricky but it doesn't have to be um like my couples i reached out to the photographer very far in advance as soon as i know who the couple's photographer is i try to make connections with, with them a lot of times i'm commenting on the work they're doing trying to get a feel kind of for their style already through their website through their social media and letting them know that i do look forward to working with them obviously i love the couples i'm working with and my couples are trusting them we both have the same job to do um so naturally i think there should be a relationship developing there and then on the wedding day i make sure that i understand what their needs are and that they understand what my needs are and that we communicate what needs to happen and if there needs to be compromises compromises are made but again communication between the photographer and i are absolutely key and sometimes we don't see eye to eye i i don't get along with every single photographer I hope they like me and I hope I like them, but sometimes that just doesn't happen. And at the end of the day, we can't control other people. We can't control the way they're going to react. Yeah. Uh, just understanding our locus of control and planning and preparing for what we can and letting the rest unfold. I, I was going to say with that, those wide angle lenses you're talking about and like how close <laughs> your films feel, I'm like, you, you know, you must just have a way of like, you know, silver tonguing all these photographers into just like <laughs> letting you have, go over like, there yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna hop in for a second and you know must get along that's such with, a good point you brought up though yeah. and it's something we've been doing for years you are to be crude insane if you do not reach out to photographers before the wedding like in my opinion that is more so than talking to your couples all the time in terms of professionalism, you need to talk to these people because they can absolutely screw you if they don't like <laughs> you. And additionally, if they like you, they can make the work better. They'll give you referrals. They'll respect it. You might do a workshop with them in Joshua Tree. Like, you know, like, like that relationship, that it's symbiotic. Absolutely. And like, if you don't work on that, we do that. We do a volume. I don't know if you know anything about our business. We do like 120 weddings a year. We have teams. We train our shooters on how to shoot weddings the right way. And every one of our shooters before our wedding, we're like, here's the list of people you email. Photographer. <laughs> email them and say, hey, yeah. this is who I am. This is my, my approach is. Can't wait to help you. Let me know if you have any needs. And it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. We, it really does. And so if you're listening and you want like one tip, that you're just not doing, that everyone I think who's really successful is probably doing, at least on some level, connect with this photographer, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to be seen and heard and loved. And so if you're able to do that for your photographer that you're working with, then you're creating that much better run experience for your clients. What, what kind of photographer do you find yourself um, just having a great relationship with in general? I love photographers who do movement-based poses. Sometimes I hear photographers say, oh, we do movement-based poses. And then they only do like one shot at the end where the couple's walking. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, that is not movement-based when you're like posing their chin. So I like couples um, or photographers who also enjoy movement, who are okay with me um, moving the couple around a little bit. But when I work with photographers who aren't that style, then I always let the couple know at the beginning of the shoot, right before we shoot, I'm like, this photographer is amazing. They're going to be putting you in these positions to make you 
you look your best, but remember that you're on video and motion looks beautiful on video. So always like feel comfortable just tickling each other, like kissing your favorite parts of their body or whatever. Um, the couple needs to hear to know that like this photographer has a different style than I do, but we're going to make this work for both of us. So I love your like use of the 50 mil. Um, and my criticism of a lot of handheld shooters, which really just means they don't want to oftentimes means I don't want to bother bringing stuff like, and I don't think that's what handheld shooting should be. It's, but the other thing I notice is they don't get close. Maybe enough. a part of it. <laughs> no, it should be. Do you want a certain look? Do you want a certain look? But I, I think it definitely helps with you know, sure, bringing less gear, which you is important. You want to make nice looking films, which is important <laughs> because it allows you to shoot more shots. If you bring less stuff, you get more shots. You should get of gear. get in there. Yeah, and I notice like you're you get in there, and I feel yeah. like that's a function of what you're doing to create that trust with that couple. So like. <laughs> tell me about like you're talking about space is that something you're always like hey i gotta get this shot of your hands are you always gonna get that shot or are you gonna be like no this couple's not comfortable i'm, I'm gonna stay back a little bit like how do you make those judgment calls on like how how close is too close <laughs> right and you brought up an interesting thing with the stabilization and like gear and there's multiple reasons why i don't use anything big or fancy for me. Um, but one of those key reasons is because I like to be able to get up close with a couple and determining when and how long I can do that is entirely based on who I'm working with. For some couples, I can get in close with those sweet, juicy little hand makeout shots right from the get-go. They're already comfortable with me. I'm already comfortable with them. We're feeling it. Um, but sometimes that doesn't happen till the very end of the shoot. And sometimes I can only be up with them for one or two seconds before I start to see them, you know, kind of relax out of the pose. Um, and so it just depends on who I'm working with, really. I love that. That's a great relax out of the pose is like, yeah, I one of the things I see photographers, they got the moment it's over. Like they, if they shoot 20 frames and only one of them is good, fine. We can't do that is filmmakers and like i'll see people put and they put it in their films too like people kiss and then they separate in an awkward way like you could tell they kissed for <laughs> they kiss for this and then you could see their lips and a little bit of tongue and yeah like, or they're Ugh. just or they go like they kiss and then they're like <laughs> and just it, it, and it's like or like trying to wipe away the lipstick that's on yeah, the jersey. Like, like getting people to <laughs> stay in their pose a little like prompting people to interact Austin Trem Trenholm always does this is when he, he, and he's just an awesome photographer friend of ours. He's like, when you kiss, smile out of the kiss because that's, it consciously makes them think about afterwards. Like people will kiss and then they'll like turn towards their buddy or something. They'll do something like annoying afterwards. But the, the smile after the kiss is, is most nice people moment. have never had to kiss on camera that much. Like <laughs> it's true. Like you, people need to remember, like, you know more about what is supposed to be happening visually than they do. They don't even know what they look like. So either you have to create such an immersive moment for them where they're stuck in it and they don't even think about leaving, which I think I like about your work. I feel like these people are experiencing each other more than creating a film, or you have to be so clear with your instructions that when they're, they know exactly how they look on camera. Yeah. Like anyway, <laughs> that's that's my my rant on posing. Yeah. But um, 
So, you know, one of the things I also think is fun about you and your brand is you do a lot of reels and things that I am very uncomfortable doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I love it. I think it's great. And I think especially for what you want to sell, which is a personal connection, I feel like I get to know you and I feel like it communicates really well. How did you kind of make a decision? Like, cause I looked at your, your um, feed and it, it was like a clear, like time where you're like, I'm going to start doing this. Right. <laughs> how did you decide? Like, this is how I need to do. And then I stopped. <laughs> uh, reels are a lot of work. So if you have not tried them before, even if you have, you already know they require a lot more time than it would be to just throw everything into Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere. Um, but yeah, I, I knew I had a couple of messages I wanted to share with my couples or potential couples. Um, and I tried to put myself kind of in their shoes and what they would want to know or understand about wedding planning or what the experience would be like working with me. And I just created some rules based off of those thoughts and ideas, but I don't know if I'll keep on doing them. I try, I experimented a little bit with reels and I experimented a little bit with TikTok and I attracted some different audiences on both of them, but it is a lot of work and people can be a little bit brutal with TikToks and reels. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. If they don't agree with you, so. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad you were honest about that because like, I always look at that and I'm like, that's cool, but I could make a lot more money just doing anything else with my time. That's that like that's kind of been my thought, and I'm always thinking like, how is it important? Is it not important? Like like I, and as a person who runs the type of brand you do, I, I'm gl I'm glad you were honest about it because I the last thing I want to do is tell people you should all be making reels, but mm -hmm. I did I did think it was cool the way you, you put. I mean, I can't just like do like what to ask your videographer like you can't just no, <laughs> can't just do that in every video and make and it you sell work. 10 weddings by doing that one reel yes well, i think it's really interesting the the virality of reels yeah. and tiktok it's quite amazing but the thing is, is you have no control over what is going to go viral or not yeah. i posted the same videos on both my instagram and my tiktok and different videos performed better than others so i did a, a tiktok on just like my favorite movies on tiktok took me like less than five minutes to make it was definitely the easiest one I made and it has like over a hundred thousand views and like people love it I'm like well if that's what kind of content people want to watch then I'm just going to quit my job and tell people what movies I like to watch honestly <laughs> I don't know it's an interesting platform but I do think it's important to understand that like there is no like should or you have to in yeah. running a wedding filmmaking business whenever I hear somebody say like you should be doing reels or you should be on tiktok or you should be doing xyz with your business I see that as a red flag as there is no like one path to success and if you are following and mimicking the same thing that everyone else has done you're never going to be better than or be able to attract a different niche um, and there's people who maybe aren't included in what's going on right now so yep I love that and, I, and ultimately like <laughs> We, we had a marketing firm and kind of, I guess we still do, but um, it's all about people actually reaching out to you <laughs> and like saying, I want to hire you, Yeah, you know, yeah. and like, you know, there's a lot of ways to that. And I do think, you know, it is good though to show yourself. And I think you've done a good, you've done a good job. When yeah. I looked at your feed, you know, I, if you look at Stop, Go, Love, our business, like it's intentionally um, brand focused. It's intentionally couples focused. Because we 
you know, we don't want to communicate the message that you're communicating. And when I looked at yours, it was very clear to me that the connection that we were making was with you. And so no matter what, whether you do reels or not, um, and I think if you want to go check her social media out, I really think you ought to in terms of like, how can you communicate brand ethos and um, the personality of the filmmaker in a, an effective way? I think that is very is done very effectively on your social, actually. Well, thank you. I'm glad that comes through. I think people buy emotions and buy people. They don't necessarily buy the service or product you're selling. I mean, that's part of it, but... It depends on who you're selling it to. When another filmmaker, they're going to go with the one who they feel like they know better and can trust more. Yes. Trust is what totally. it's all about. Trust, of course, value, and of course, good films. That's the good films. And you have good films, too. I have a question, Jessica. It, I mean... In the last year, we've just seen so many different types of like elopement films and like cool, um, you know, micro weddings. You know, this is kind of like a general industry thing. But do you think that is kind of around to stay for a little bit longer? I, I know we see we're seeing a lot of states open up and whatnot, and you know, weddings are slowly kind of creeping back. But do, are you seeing kind of like more people nowadays? I, I know your business is fairly young; you've been doing it a few years now. Um, but do you see just a continual uptick in the amount of just kind of smaller micro weddings, even in 2021? I hope so. I think so. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I any think of people, us do. Yeah. But yeah. I think people are changing their idea of, or changing the narrative around what an elopement is and what it can look like. And that's exciting to a lot of people. I know personally, if I would have had this understanding when I got married, I would have done something like a micro wedding or an elopement just because I'm naturally more introverted and I would have enjoyed that experience with my family a lot more, I think, if we had kept things smaller. And so I hope people um, are seeing their friends and family members do these smaller micro weddings and that this will be a trend that stays around for a while. But I agree. To say I, I wonder <laughs> about because I mean, not to be cynical of people, but I am cynical of people, so whatever. But <laughs> like the idea of like the big wedding as a mechanism to show off, which is a lot of what it is. Of course, there are some people who do it because they feel like they have to include everyone. There are a lot of reasons why people have big weddings. One of them is they want to show off. I do think you can show off equally as well with an incredible wedding film and a small intimate thing, and they can accomplish the same thing for save a hundred grand. So, so I think I do think on some level, if we as filmmakers can figure out how to capture that and communicate and storytell in a way that communicates to the couple's friends and family, like, hey, look at these people, look at this cool experience they had. You're included, but you weren't there, and I didn't have to buy you dinner, right? I think that that there will be some way that it will stay. I I don't know that you're ever gonna have like primarily elopements or primarily ten people weddings, but like. 50 people weddings, 70 people weddings, sm much smaller weddings. I think that is is here to stay. Yeah, I think it's opened the door a little bit. Like, I know, same thing as you, Jessica. Like, if I was able to have a wedding of 50 people four years ago when we got married, I definitely would have done that. If it, it's, you know, coronavirus, I think, has given people a great excuse to have smaller weddings. Like, I, I, and, mm -hmm. and I think now people seeing it played out, being like, wow, this actually was better. It was a lot nicer. I, I think hopefully that stays around. It makes of sense like, that it would be nicer, right? Because yeah. you have like so much more open space to create with the couple. And and the couple doesn't have the same level of, of 
stress. Like that one couple that we shot in the backyard, we shot one couple, 10 people, downtown Boston in their backyard, beautiful brownstone building. These, you know, this couple, you know, was, was well off, but it was like, they were like, we were going to have a 300 person wedding at the MFA in Boston. And now I, I don't think I would have said those vows that we just said that were so intimate, so personal in front of those 300 people, but it makes sense in this context. And like, everyone's crying there. And like, this couple was like, well off, and like, very private. And it's just like, it's allowed us as creators to do something that's very unique. Like, I, I do hope that kind of stays around to an extent, you know, for sure. Um, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. You know, you're, you, you have just such a I didn't even know you were into psychology, but now it makes so much sense. Um, but it's just such a unique perspective on wedding filmmaking. Jess, one question before you know we, we hang up is just like, what is one piece of advice that you would give to new filmmakers that are maybe um, trying to find either their voice or just how to communicate um, a certain message um, like we've been talking about in, in their films? Wow. I, whenever somebody asks for a piece of advice, I always go back to a particular experience I had as a teenager. I was a ballerina and I had a, an audition I uh, participated in and I didn't get the role I wanted and I was really disappointed. Um, and one of the other dancers explained to me, you know, sometimes you're a carrot and they were looking for a celery, um, which is kind of a funny analogy. Um, I think she was just suggesting a carrot because people call redheads carrot tops. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I love it and it stuck with me. You know, it wasn't necessarily that the carrot was bad or that they didn't want the carrot to dance at all. Um, they just were looking for somebody else in that situation. And I think sometimes it can be really frustrating when we are approaching our wedding filmmaking differently and nobody is booking us or we're trying to find our style and it's just not resonating with anyone yet. Um, but just having that advice in the back of your head to know that there's not necessarily anything wrong with the way you're approaching things or the way you're editing your films or marketing yourself. Um, maybe there is, maybe you should take a look at it, but in a lot of circumstances, it's just you're, you haven't found your people yet, your community, and that will come with time. So that's the piece of advice that came to my mind. That's awesome. Yep. And that's we always say that stick with it. The, the average person doesn't make it beyond one year, 50% of people who start wedding filmmaking quit in the first year. I think that's a shame because I think if they would stick with it a little longer and get better and understand and get their name out there, I think they would actually, a lot of them would become successful, but they just, there's this instant success myth that's out there that you are going to know what you're doing or that people are going to be interested. Like this takes time. And I think that's a great point. Like yeah. try to figure out what's right for you. Hey, so Jessica, one more time, want to let everybody know where they can find you and anyone interested in signing up for the workshop, how they can do that. Yeah, I am on social media as Honey Fox Films and I have my website, honeyfoxfilms.com. That's probably the easiest place to find me and contact me. I am always happy to meet new friends and answer questions. So I hope you'll reach out. Awesome, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, um, well, we're assuming you did because you made an hour into this show. So <laughs> um, thank you so much for enjoying it. And we would love it if you can reward 
our show with a like, a subscribe, a review if you're listening on the podcast. Reward us. Reward us. (laughs) Um, It would be great. Um, Definitely keep your eyes, ears peeled for these giveaways that we're doing. Um, And, of course, go support the people who will come on our show. They're gracious enough to come on and talk to us and share their experiences with you. So go give them a follow, give them a like, drop a comment, let them know how much you appreciate their insight and their investment in you. Thank you, guys. Check it out. Um, sign up for this workshop all the good stuff have an awesome day